Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 74 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Second Technician Fozzer Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are Head of Station Entertainment, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Good evening. Good evening, sir. And also we have the Chief Bar Steward here at Lave Station, Mr. Grant Psychocow Wilcott. Good evening. Good evening, and we should just say you are the guy that just pressed the wrong button and made everybody think that we were just running an archive show, weren't you? Well, it's not so much that I, I, did, I, I pressed the wrong button, I didn't press the right button. Ah. <laughs> Very subtle distinction. <laughs> just Makes going, all right, the difference. You guys, you're going live in two, three... Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think people were just expecting us to have a little bit more Trevor and Simon, actually. <laughs> that, that can always be arranged. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, well, uh, for the uh, for the show this evening, we've got a few things coming up. We're obviously going to go through the development news, but the main topic for discussion for this particular show is going to be the Sunday stream at Gamescom that was done by Ed and Eddie. Uh, there was a whole wealth of information given out by those two, and we're just going to go through it and talk a little bit about it. But of course, before we do that, let's go around the uh, the shrunken crew this week uh, and find out what these guys have been up to, starting with you, Grant. Right. Well, actually, it's been a pretty constantly busy week of trying to get things done and getting there, you know, so obviously still trying to get my grants flat emptied out and all that kind of thing dealt with, arguments with the local council over building work, um, sadly I lost my cat, had to euthanised last week and uh, picked him back up from the vets today and well he's lost a lot of weight. No. Um, so we've got some things we, we want to do um, for for him as well, which is a little chocolate. Uh, we found a chocolate tree, um, and it's just absolutely perfect. With him being chocolate covered, coloured, um, it's ideal for a sort of little thing to remember him by. Uh, other than the sort of messes that he's left everywhere and the damage he causes over the years. Um, and also, obviously, we've got the community goal for the hut and mug and. The organisational team, uh, Mike Snaws, Dave... Oh, crikey, I know they called him. It's Pearson, Dave Pearson. It is Dave Pearson. Um, yeah, myself my brother have been working daily with various amazing members of the community to create content to make the whole one-and-a-half-hour journey. And that's just one direction. <laughs> and to make it a little bit more fun to create an event around the community goal and to create the infrastructure to support that event so that people can tune into a, our Hutton Orbital radio and listen to that while they're doing the journey. And that will keep them up to date with all the goings-on. We'll have some live shows. It's kind of a, a wee bit of a sister station to Lave Radio at the current minute. Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, there's a few of us planning on uh, helping out with the community goal and jumping over there and doing a few uh, cameo spots on uh, on Hutton Station, Hutton Radio as well. I just saw. I mean, I, I just saw. Uh, um, I would walk 500 miles on the playlist and just checked out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I love it. I've seen some, the live. Great. Some of the stuff we've got. I mean, it's one one of the sort of taglines of the station is you know, hot normal to radio. The only station you can tune into uh, without us, there's nothing. And, you know, we've got these, <laughs> <laughs> these wonderful sort of... The song lists, there's some genius songs that are in there. We've got the wonderful um, Trucking Hour, which is going to be some good country and western music, some good <laughs> good old driving, like 500 miles. But the nice thing about the station is we have the Howlers section, and the Howlers 
is a list of songs that nobody should ever listen to. <laughs> ever. <laughs> and we just, every time we find one of these songs, we dump it in this little bin and the, the show automatically inserts at least one per show. <laughs> so usually it's usually one per hour of these absolute humdinging, awful songs. Things Do like, I get the feeling that the, uh, the crankies are going to be in that list? You know, they, no, not yet. <laughs> but now you've mentioned it. Well, I mean, apparently, they've got a new album out. They've got. Uh, <laughs> I looked, and um, there's they've apparently got a song out for the Olympics. I'm not sure which ones, um, but yeah, they've got uh, in the athletics. So they've got a song I've not listened to it yet. I'll, I will attempt, in the interests of uh, obviously research only, I will attempt to get a copy and. Um, Undertake and see what it's like, but other than that, isn't, isn't that Cranky's whole relationship the subject of an investigation by Operation U Tree? No, going back to what you were saying before, though, Grant, that, that chocolate tree you're thinking of planting, yeah. I only mention it. Isn't that one of those trees that gives off a smell that cats absolutely hate and is useful for keeping cats out of your garden? Possibly, I don't know. Apparently, it attracts <laughs> caterpillars. Okay. That's all I know. We've not done much research other than it's chocolate and it's brown, and apparently it smells like <laughs> chocolatey. So if cats don't yeah, like yeah, chocolate, yeah. yeah. At least I'll be safe when the, the lions escape from the zoo. <laughs> right, so this is actually a chocolate tree, that, not like a cocoa tree or anything like that, which obviously wouldn't grow in, this, in, in no, Scotland, no, no, it's, let alone anywhere else. No, it's a flowering plant, um, mm. but the scent that the plant gives off smells a bit like cocoa. It kind of looks but like... it's not a cocoa... Yeah, it's kind of like the leaves are like kind of like pine needles, but they're chocolatey brown, and it's kind of you know they form kind of little leaves. So it's quite a quite a striking little looking plant. And for us, it's just you know we're gonna obviously spread his ashes and in, in the sort of roots of it and watch it slowly die, which is what I think will probably happen. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping it won't go that way and it will it will flourish and be with us for many many years. But plants and us do not mix well. And you're listening to Gardener's Question Time <laughs> here on Main Radio. <laughs> oh, okay, let's uh, let's do a key change then. What have you been up to, Chris? I've been very worried about the Leylandi at the bottom of my garden. <laughs> no, okay. Um, <clears throat> what have I been up to? I've been working a lot on the next project, um, which I think I'm kind of ready to announce. Um, it's kind of weird, I'm not sure, because I haven't actually sent the official press release out yet, uh, but looking at the number of people in the chat room and the number of people listening live, mentioning it now is as good as not announcing it, so <laughs> I can say, basically we're doing, um, we're going to be doing a series of audio dramas, uh, official audio dramas for Chaos Reborn, which is awesome. Um, and basically at the moment I'm working on, because we're probably going to do a Kickstarter or something to fund uh, getting the um, getting some, some actors in and things. Um, and basically, yeah, I'm working out all the logistics around getting a Kickstarter up. So you'll probably be hearing a lot more about that at some point. That's awesome, mate. And um, where, awesome. The, uh, where are the stories coming from? Are they coming from Alan or...? No, I'm writing them. You're writing them. writing them? Yeah, yeah. So there's actually a whole load of stuff coming out for Chaos Reborn in the coming months. Not least, of course, is the actual official launch of the game because um, the version that's on Steam now is early access uh, but the actual full final release well not the final release but you know what I mean um, will be coming soon in the next few months uh, and there is also other lots of other stuff being released um, 
which I'm not going to mention because it's not mine to, <laughs> to announce. No, I'm not fine. sure. What, I'm not sure what they've announced about it. Um, but obviously, Alan's book is coming on a pace. I've read probably eighty, eighty-five percent of it, and it's it's really good. Um, and he's doing some other writing as well. But again, like I say, I'm not sure what status of that is in terms of announcements. Um, and yeah, so I'm writing uh, um, some... some. We haven't totally decided on the format for the audio dramas yet. Um, <clears throat> so it, but it, it, it's not going to be a series, a serial like Escape Velocity. Um, they are going to be individual one-hour sort of adventures. Um, what we've not decided yet is about whether it's the recurring characters through those one-hour adventures um, or whether they are completely standalone stories. Um, cool. And sort of more like an anthology. Just thinking about it, because I've been... I've just got a new work laptop, uh, and obviously the first thing I did with it is try to run Elite Dangerous with it, which unfortunately <laughs> isn't quite going according to plan. Uh, although uh, Carl and a few people in the community are trying to tell me what the settings are that I need. Uh, but it's an Ultrabook uh, that runs, uh, I think it's an Intel HD 4000, so it's never going to run at any particular uh, pace. But in theory, it should be possible, and I think I'd much rather play Elite Dangerous uh, during my board meetings than actually be bored during the meetings. But... Uh, um, the other thing that definitely does work on it is uh, is Chaos Reborn, which is fantastic because the whole screen comes off and it becomes like a tablet, so it's like playing Chaos Reborn on a tablet. Oh, uh, that's awesome! I've just got into the whole realms thing, so the uh, yeah. the online realms. the The characters that you're creating for uh, these one off hour specials are they going to be characters that we might be able to see in the game or? Uh, it's difficult because obviously Julian's still doing a lot of work on that whole kind of single player mode. Um, I think that there's different things going on. So there are certain backers who backed at obviously god level. Yeah. And the gods that they create are going to become the in canon sort of gods in the game. Um, but in terms of in terms of what I'm doing with the with the audio dramas, I'm quite interested in expanding some of those encounters that you have in in, in the, the, the realms exploration. So, you know, sometimes you'll come across like an encampment and it'll say something like, you come across, I don't know. Um, well, I came across a lion being surrounded by four skeletons the other day. That, that's the sort of thing. There's some, as well, though, there's some story events that kind of imply that there are human towns or elf towns, you know, actual places where people live within these realms um and those are the kind of stories we want to be expanding with the audio dramas um and obviously there'll be a certain amount of wizard battling <laughs> going on because <laughs> that's the core of the game but i think again in a similar in a similar approach to um what we did with with escape velocity i'm quite keen to make the audio dramas reflect an element of the player experience um so that the things you hear in the audio dramas will resonate with the things you encounter in, in playing in the game, game. yeah um, and at the moment obviously those um, those encounters within the single player thing are quite basic it is just like some flavour text saying things like you you head down into the the dungeon and there is a you know a skeleton sitting behind a desk <laughs> holding a pen kind of thing it's those kind of and that, for me those are really interesting kind of jumping off points yeah um, so it's it's that it's that element of the world that I'm really interested in expanding um, and of course, there's a whole load of discussions that we're having at the moment about um, the place the wizards all kind of live in when they're not in the realms. 
which is of course limbo yeah uh, and there's a whole load of stuff to explore with that so yeah it's going to be it's a very exciting few months for chaos um and exciting time for me as well new, nice new project yeah it was fantastic buddy absolutely fantastic well i should also say this is probably a good point to actually uh, give a plug to um uh, another show that's coming out probably in the next week or so because uh, john stabler obviously a massive chaos reborn fan is sitting down with alan stroud and julian gollop uh, tomorrow to record an interview uh, about the game and the current progress and some of the fiction awesome. so uh, if you guys stay tuned to the lave radio channel you'll probably see that coming in the not too distant future future uh if you've got any questions that you want to put john uh so you might want to send those over either on our facebook page or just tweet him directly and i'm sure he can ask julian uh but for right now let's uh go to an advert and come back and actually talk about elite dangerous really you're gonna just chuck me on the spot like that again <laughs> right <laughs> well you're a true professional brand you should have them all queued up there we go we're all good so we're good we discovered a wholly natural way of slimming down and reducing your appetite we had to share it with everyone harnessing the amazing powers of our native parasitic life we've solved an age-old problem Vegas Slimweed has been used by settlers of the region for decades with undeniable results and significant health benefits. If you think that Vegas Slimweed could be the solution you're looking for, speak to your doctor today. Travelling with Vegas Slimweed ingestive may constitute smuggling. Please check before your journey and declare yourself at customs for an internal search. Failure to digest does not constitute grounds for reimbursement. Side effects may include but are not limited to increased blood pressure and heart rate, insomnia, nervousness, blurred vision, restlessness or headache. Some forms of parasite may cause stomach side effects like constipation, dry mouth, nausea, or vomiting. Small sample of patients exhibit full body paralysis, catatonic state, and internal hemorrhaging. Parasite must be purged before pupation, else death will occur. Commanders, Ambassador Crash here, and you are listening to Lave Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Join us live every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. BST for the latest news on Elite Dangerous and the fantastic community behind it. You can also chat to me live every Friday at 8 p.m. BST on the official community Twitch stream, Crash Landing. Lave Radio, crash tested and approved since the year 3200. Great stuff. So obviously there wasn't a show last week, so we are a little bit behind in the dev news. But we've got it here, we've got it in the show notes, so we're going to give it to you all anyway, whether you're interested or not. Uh, Let's start with the first thing, which is going to be... Uh, the dev update from Michael Brooks from the 14th of August. Uh, not a lot in this, apart from the exciting news that the beta for CQC uh, for the PC is actually a little bit closer than we thought it was going to be. So he says two weeks from the date of that. Um, that could either be this Friday or possibly next Friday. But either way, much, much closer than we thought. Um, you guys interested in getting involved? Obviously, Grant, you've been on the CQC stuff with the Xbox. Are you looking forward to getting your, um, your hands on the CQC? QC PC version? I am desperate to get it on the PC so that I can use the hot ass controller and regain that sense of almost being in control. Because on the <laughs> Xbox controller it's it is quite alien when you're not I mean you have to use it and use it and use it. And of course the only thing that I may be concerned about is the matchmaking on the Xbox was bad. It just 
stalled, just much the same as when we tried to originally get back into Port Zalada, if you remember, I mean, we yeah. watched the spinning Sidewinder. We're kind of back to that issue, and now, when it hits the PC, I'm hoping it's not going to reintroduce that slow so that when you're going into the CQC to play it that you're still having the issues with the matchmaking so I'm hoping that that's not going to be a problem because people aren't going to sit I certainly haven't gone back to it since I spent an entire evening just sitting there going nope can't get a match nope can't get a match over an hour and that's the problem it turns people off because I could be doing something better with my life <laughs> granted not much better but I could be doing something else I could be playing elite and making a couple of million but I'm sitting here with a CQC screen getting thoroughly frustrated and a bit disenfranchised from it but then you get in and suddenly all that weight you forget about and you start going around getting your arse blown out of the sky and crashing into things it's great fun I can't wait for it to come on the PC and I just hope that that matchmaking issue doesn't come with it yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Jarvis? Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, obviously, connection problems aside, uh, I think it'll be nice, because I've kind of, you know, not not really been enjoying um, the whole kind of PvP thing in the main Elite Dangerous universe so much recently. Um, so I'm looking forward to being able to actually try out some ship-to-ship combat. Um, I guess someone was talking about it being like the old, whatever it was, Alpha 2 or Alpha 3, where we had the, the combat zones. Um, and, I, you know, if it's like that and with flying around um, scenery and stuff, it should be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Great stuff. Well, obviously, so there is that. Uh, they're currently aiming to try and get the, the PC Mac beta, obviously, within the next two weeks. Um, so hopefully by the end of uh, next next Friday. Um, Grant, are you prepared to say that you have a sneaky suspicion it could be earlier, or are you not going to say that on air? Well, no, it's, it's just really about... It depends. I think it'll be, you know, we'll get a good indication on Thursday, because we've been kind of hoping for this community goal to go live, and we've been told it'll be in the next update, so <laughs> we've been subtly told, and it could be just complete utter lies to have us F5-ing the forums for the next couple of days. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but if the community goals go live on Thursday, I don't think we're very far away from it hitting. No, and certainly for me, it'd be quite interesting, because at the moment, I have, uh, I've slogged my guts out to get myself into an anaconda, uh, and I'm just sort of trying to rebuild some of my, uh, my fortune. So at the moment, I've been playing in private groups, uh, avoiding the whole PvP, which is really sad, because surely if I'm flying around in a, in a tanked-up mm. anaconda, I know it, I should be as safe as I could possibly be. Um, that really does make me a complete pansy for not going in the open zone when I'm flying <laughs> in an anaconda. Jesus, in fact, I, I'm just going to shut up and get my, get my coat, because, yeah, I've just realized how stupid i'm being but either way uh it would be quite nice to get into some uh, some quick and easy some dirty uh, pvp combat um and also i quite like the idea of sort of flying through all those corridors and stuff and being a little bit like star wars and the whole sort of trench run and stuff so i'm looking forward to uh, i'm looking forward to that quite a lot um other things that are coming out um obviously uh, as i say with any major update this one's going to be coming from the latest trunk which means there'll be a host of fixes and tweaks that they haven't released in any of the minor releases up to now so there will be a few extra features and content in that um the new mission system should also be out in 1.4, am I right? So we should have a little bit of an expansion yeah. for, for some of the missions now. I know the missions have been a little bit lacking for you, haven't they, Chris? Well, no, not lacking. It's just I think it's quite... It doesn't take you long, even with the very limited amount of time I get to play Elite Dangerous. <laughs> it doesn't take long to kind of feel that you've you've kind of exhausted the 
you know, the sort of the gameplay options in the missions. I mean, there's lots of... It's obviously different from system to system and the flavour text is different and yada, yada, yada. But really, in terms of the, in terms of the actual missions, they're all... There are, there are basically, you know, sort of a f- very few mission types and they are all essentially the same. Um, whereas I think they were talking with 1.4 about adding multi-part missions. So it's going to feel a bit more like going on a proper kind of linear adventure. Yeah. And actually, we'll get into it later, but I mean, even the stuff they've been talking about for um, Horizons that sounds, you know, pretty amazing. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, just looking, there's a few optimizations as well for the network. And interestingly, they have said that they are not going to support the Oculus Rift in the latest update in terms of the Oculus's latest uh, SDK. Um, yeah, they're going to wait until, yeah, it goes into final release, which, you know, I think that probably makes sense. I know when we were doing um, LaveCon, we were having all sorts of issues trying to get the latest um, Oculus Rift to uh, to play nice with any PC, and we had a lot of PCs brought in by the community, uh, and a lot of people bought their own Oculus, and even those people that owned the Oculus and brought their own PCs, for whatever reason, were still struggling to get it set up right on the day. So, you know, I don't blame uh, Frontier for just sort of waiting until the, the final release uh, SDK is out for that one. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, to talk actually, about. before you move off from the Oculus, the have there was an announcement today. He said, having to quick think back to where the hell I saw <laughs> it, but there's going to be an update for the Oculus that will allow you to roll back to point five, the software development kit, and that's the one that will currently work with Elite. So. Keep an eye out for that in the Oculus forums. They're going to put a rollback tool because essentially everything is stopping with the development on the SDK because of the commercial software coming soon. So, the yeah, well, sorry, Commander Arthon is saying that the DK2 worked fine. I think anyone that had put the new software on was having issues with it. And I know one of my Oculuses wasn't running, but the other one was. So... It is one of these things where Windows 10, apparently my brother's got Windows 10 and he has thoroughly hated it so far with regards to the Oculus, he cannot get it functioning at all. So it's one of these things, it's how much development time is going to be put into it and we've got got one big issue which is with the development kits, when the consumer software is released, will it work with the development kits? That's... That's an unknown question. Let's put that one out there and cause some uproar and upset. <laughs> There's a possibility it's that weird. it might not have, because obviously the new version is that, you know, the new software version comes out, the new actual Oculus may have equipment on it that the software needs to support that might make it not work very well with the developer's kit. Mm. So we just have to wait and see. But yes, there's a rollback tool soon. Perfect. It's weird because a lot of people have the Oculus with DK2, but that doesn't mean that it's a kind of finished commercial product it is still essentially a testing box that that people have kind of got their hands on and it's yeah it's interesting yeah absolutely and i know uh yeah, there was a few people down in the uh, in the land room that was able to uh, to do some demos. So that's obviously Commander Arthron. Uh, but we had we had um, stacks of people signed up to uh, to demo that in the um, oh, in the Chaos Reborn room, and we just we just couldn't get it working. We had uh, a number of attempts, but we just could not get the uh, the two DK twos that we had working on any of the machines in there. So um, great that they were able to go down and the community sort of stepped in and show people what it was like in the land room. So cool for that. Um, the IFA. Uh, yeah, 
conference is sorry i was going to say the ifa conference is coming up soon where uh, valve and htc will be showing their um vr headsets i wonder what that's going to look like sorry if i just completely derailed what you were going to say grant Well, you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna comment on the, the Oculus. Their sort of market is kind of, if you look at the DK one, we all couldn't sit in our hands, had to buy it. Then the DK two, all had to, you know, again, you, you know, you did, your backside hadn't got big enough to sit in your hands for the DK two, and we had to buy it. And frankly, we're kicking off about the Horizons update costing forty quid. <laughs> your DK two is not going to be upgradable. You know, you're going to have to buy the next one again. So it's just a, just a sort of parallel that popped into my head there. Yeah, but you can't sell your version of Elite Dangerous on eBay afterwards, can you? That's the thing. You can probably claw back a little bit of money <laughs> on the DK two. Um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the upgrades because again, that uh, <laughs> that controversy all sort of hit last week when we weren't actually on air, um, and we have got something from Reddit for those people that haven't been on the forums and haven't been on the Reddit and community channels. If you are wondering, uh, Grant's got a great uh, flowchart that he's going to read on air in a way that everybody's <laughs> going to understand. <laughs> God, I hate it when you do this. Um, that is going to make it all clear, isn't that right, Grant? Yes. <laughs> we can give you this we can give you the short update basically if you don't currently own elite dangerous now is the worst possible time to buy it yeah that's <laughs> too long did not read versions yeah. that's, that's 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 the short version yeah absolutely <laughs> um cool so yeah going back to the, the htc what do people think of it has people have you had a chance to see some of the uh you know some of the uh the marketing stuff that's appeared on youtube about it could this be an oculus rift you know killer because i'm assuming they're going to get theirs to market around about christmas time and obviously the oculus rift isn't coming out until what is it quarter one next year i don't think so i don't think i think oculus has played its cards they had the first unit out they've got the market so most people are going to wait knowing the experience that they've had with Oculus and they're going to go, I like it and I want that and I trust that and I know it's going to be either similar or better rather than risking your investment on something else. And the danger, I suppose, is do you go and jump on the first one that hits commercial only to find out it's not supported by the games that you want to use it with? Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's, there's not a real standard... Uh, acceptance that this is going to be as simple as a USB controller, for example. These things are all going to work in slightly different ways, although the technology is the same. If they'd standardised the interface with games, maybe they have. Who knows? But... So surely, with a backing of, with, with a name like Valve behind it, though, certainly you know anybody in the PC industry is going to be fine. You know, anybody who's got a PC and it's backed by Valve, you would imagine it's going to work with most things out of the box. Surely. I mean, they've been pushing their hardware a lot over the last couple of months. I mean, they did a big thing on the Steam front page um, shortly after the summer sale, I think, all about the the different bits of Steam hardware that you can buy. And I think, and I know a few people that have bought, have pre-ordered the, um, the Steam box. Mm-hmm. So I think them having a VR headset that's a kind of Steam branded almost thing. I mean, you know, like it or not, Steam has become the kind of the, the, the de facto standard, you know, the centre of PC. If you have a PC to game on, the chances are you've got Steam. Yeah. And, and you know, people are starting to see Steam as a platform in itself. So a, a VR headset that's kind of marketed as part of that whole solution, uh, I think is a very is very powerful positioning. 
Yeah, just a couple of things from the chat channel. Uh, Gintos has said that um, from what he's read online, the uh, the HTC Vive is as good as the production Rift, uh, but a little bit heavier. And uh, Commander Babster, I like this idea. He said they could just use a trump card and say it comes with the orange box too and happens to have Half-Life 3 on it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that just blow everything away? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, my <laughs> Oculus, see you next year. <laughs> it is true. It is true. They only ever make a Half-Life game when they have something else to sell. <laughs> that, that has always been the case with Half-Life. Oh, They're always awesome. either selling a platform or an engine or a technology. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think the thing that's been going back to what Grant was saying about how you know Oculus has the has the kind of positioning, I think it's true because if anything, what the the DK one and the DK two have taught the market is now we all kind of know what we want from and what we expect from a VR headset. Whereas until people had really sat down and, you know, because people are still surprised, people who haven't tried it, sit down with the DK2 and they're surprised by the experience. But mm-hmm. I think actually now a lot of people have, have seen what the DK2 can do, but also experienced some of its shortcomings. I think a lot of people have a very clear idea in their head about what they expect from a commercial version. Um, which is basically, you know, I would say it's all the mobility of the DK2 but with much better resolutions and refresh rates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think certainly that's what we're going to see with the uh, with the release candidates for, for both companies. Um, but yes, I mean, everybody in the chat room is just saying, you know, that would be a, an instant slam dunk. If, if Half-Life 3 shipped with the Vive or the Vive slipped, uh, shipped with Half-Life 3, everybody would just be sort of shouting about <laughs> to take their money. Yeah, uh, yeah I, th- I think we'd have heard about it by now. You, I know they keep things close to their chest, but I think a Half-Life 3 would have at least had some sort of teaser at Gamescom or E3 that it was even in development. <laughs> I'm just reading a, a quick article by, by Slack, Slacker, who was over at Gamescom, uh, com, con, com, Gamescom, <laughs> and he's talking about his experience in the different de- uh, demos of the different VRs and the Vive. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, his review is quite simply, it's amazing. Not just good, but amazing. (laughs) And uh, I think it was basically due to the amount of time that the demo was 30 minutes rather than five minutes on the Rift. So, but yeah, nothing but glowing, glowing reports there about that and wow. So it looks like it's not just comparable with the DK2, but it's a good contender to, to be a competitor. I think my main concern about the the Valve one was the the early video I saw of it in use. It just seemed like massively over-engineered to me. Like you had to install all these laser emitters in the corners of your room. Um, I don't remember seeing that. That that Yeah, I think they moved away from that. It it was quite an early version. You had to put, I think it was two boxes that you had to fit in your room that basically tracked the position of you and the headset within a room space. But that, that's how computers kill you. I've seen, <laughs> I know, I've seen the movies. I've seen Tron. I'm going to end up on a game grid <laughs> riding light cycles and trying to outrun tanks. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, and you know, this time next year we'll all probably have it. The only thing that concerns me slightly about the the Oculus is the specs that it's going to require. Um, I know for a fact that my current PC would require a bit of an upgrade in order to uh, to run it. Anybody off the top of their head remember exactly what sort of um, gaming rig it's going to require? 
No. I've, I've stopped believing in these things. <laughs> after, after Batman, you know, you can't, after, after the disaster that was Batman, <laughs> you can't go back with system requirements. It's nothing. <laughs> Uh, maybe somebody in the chat channel will, uh, will let us know and we'll come back to it cool okay um, just quickly on the uh, the newsletter uh, not a lot in the newsletter apart from obviously we've had our peak of the week for um, the Cobra Mark 4 what do you guys reckon about this Grant I, I don't care I don't care if it's Cobra <laughs> Mark 4 uh, I mean show me some show me some SRVs buggies <coughs> buggies show me some SRVs I want to see those they look awesome and uh, Cobra Mark 4 is kind of difficult for me and I, I know it's, it's shocking we're talking about uh, a game and we should be really catering for the new players this new Cobra Mark 4 is tougher than the Cobra Mark 3 it's going to be uh, another experience in flying however for me that's going backwards and I can't you know, if I'm going to go backwards, you're going backwards for the fun reasons. In which case, you jump into a sidewinder on an eagle, and then you you know you lose it, and it doesn't hurt too much. <laughs> uh, the Cobra doesn't quite have the right price point uh, for that to be a disposable ship that you just go and piss about in. But yeah, it looks pretty. It looks like the Cobra on on acid. <laughs> it's got wingtips to crying out loud. I mean, what more do you want? See, you guys are so your shit I, porn. I, I'm not. That I, I'm going to need someone to point out the differences for me because I can't tell the difference. You really can't tell the difference between a stock Cobra Mark III and the, the peak of the week. The problem is, right, okay. <laughs> because this isn't a third person game, I don't spend a lot of time looking at. I mean, I've been flying a Cobra Mark III since, since release, but I couldn't tell you what it looks like. I never see it. I'm inside it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. What about when you're outfitting it? Or you have got oh, the, the debug camera, don't you? Know, don't forget about the debug camera. I know, but I'm usually using the debug camera to look at other things, not really my my own ship. Um, because I'm usually using it to take like nice screenshots or whatever. But no, I mean I can see a few differences. It's got like it's got mandibles like the front of the the uh, Viper, uh, and obviously, yeah. Now you've pointed them out, I can see those little wingtips. Um, but it's interesting, what I find personally interesting is the existence of the Cobra Mark IV, because I can't help thinking that, that David Braben's always said that the Cobra Mark III is his favourite ship. I mean, he said that back at BAFTA when we asked him about his favourite ship. He said, you know, it's, it's, it's the Cobra, clearly. And I think it's become quite clear that in Elite Dangerous, the Cobra is a ship that everyone wants to kind of move on from. And I wonder if the Cobra Mark IV is a bit of a personal project, to try and push the Cobra back up into the ranks of ships that can still compete. Yeah, maybe, and I'd agree with that. Had uh, David Braben not said at Gamescom that his favourite ship is now the uh, the Asp. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's changed. I missed that. Yeah, in uh, I can't I was, rely on anyone. No, on his stream with uh, with Sandy, he did say that uh, it used to be the Cobra, um, but his uh, his favourite ship has now moved on to uh, was it the Asp Explorer or? It was just a stock asp. I can't remember. Either way, it's definitely an asp. Is uh, is his favourite ship? So, I'm yeah. disappointed he didn't say federal dropship. That, that would have, that would have <laughs> just that would have just killed it. If they'd said to David Red, "What's your favourite ship?" and he said, "Oh, it's got to be got to be federal dropship." <laughs> <laughs> But say, saying that, if, if this is a way of introducing a Cobra that can compete with the Diamondbacks and the Vulture, then it's kind of bringing that iconic ship into the big battles. And that's a good thing for people playing the game, yeah. you know. To see a Cobra Mark IV in battles is going to create that shiver down your spine that you're, you're watching that beautiful ship 
taking its rightful place back in the centre of the field. And, you know, it's going to be equally equally enjoyable to blow it to smithereens in my anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking about anacondas and speaking about beautiful ships like the Cobra Mark IV, uh, this is probably a good place to drop in the uh, designer paint job competition that Frontier recently launched. Um, Grant, are you excited about this? Oh, I couldn't contain myself. I had to go and change my underwear. Oh, come on. <laughs> you just got yourself an anaconda. Surely you must admit that the stock, you know, gunmetal grey is a little bit on the dull side and everybody else has been getting a bit of love for the paint jobs. And we know that the reason the anaconda hasn't got paint jobs is because it has a different damage model to everything else, which makes it harder to skin. But now they're letting the community skin it. That's, that's a great thing, surely. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will print off a number of sheets and I will nip into my local McDonald's and I'll sit it on the trees and I'll see <laughs> I'll see what the kids come up with and uh, see if, if they can... I just... You know, it's, it's design. You know, I, I am a I am a task-orientated guy. It's it's the fact... Do, make, do, do the job. And if it looks pretty, then that's a bonus. But I don't have the skill set to do it and therefore it kind of leaves me a little bit cold seeing some of the ones that people have put up <laughs> I shouldn't laugh but I had a look at some today and I thought I'm not flying an anaconda that looks like a bumblebee's arse and they, the, yeah, the internet doesn't disappoint does it when you go out and ask them to do something for you <laughs> Um, I think, I'd like to see you're missing an opportunity here, Grant. I'd love to see like a gorge, an official this is gorgeous. Yeah, this is exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, with you know, sort of you know, doe-eyed. Uh, well, let's just just just, just test that theory, Susie. <laughs> would you would you design a skin for an anaconda, a ship? <laughs> she said, "Why?" <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I'm just I'm just impressed that in the absence of you know Alan or John this week that, that Grant has adopted the grumpy chair. <laughs> is, it, is this because I'm being relentlessly positive about Elite Horizons that <laughs> the grumpy mantle has passed on? I know oh, I'm, I'm excited about Horizons, really excited about Horizons. <laughs> I'm just I think the you know the way that they've described the fact that there's the orbital cruise speed um, kind of puts me in mind because I was getting to the impression that you know that way when you're super cruising and you shoot past your target and you know you have to do your loop of shame but if you yeah, come yeah. too close <laughs> to a, a, a planet so one of the ways you can stop yourself going too far is to aim for the planet and then it stops you you drop out of super cruise and you're at a certain range from the planet for safety reasons so when they say seamless planetary landings I'm thinking seamless planetary lancings and just basically <laughs> when I'm trying to use the planet to slow down I'm going to go straight down into the planet and boom leave a crater but I think the discussion of the fact that there is orbital super cruise Suggests to me that it will still drop you back into real time at the, if you get too close to a planet in the wrong mode, and then yeah. you can then jump into the correct mode. So I think it's still going to be the same way. We're not going to have 101 yeah. ships leaving craters on planets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say they said there'd be interesting things to find under the surface of the planets. <laughs> Presumably, Grant, that's all your ships. It's just <laughs> this vast underground ship graveyard. <laughs> It'd be a good idea no, if, you've got, if you've got a round city. We could create a new game called Orbital Darts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I can appreciate. Yeah, perhaps you don't have the enthusiasm for what it does. Basically, look like a children's colouring in chart. But there are things, you know. Th th there's. 
I'm not going to enter the competition because the stuff I'd like to see on an anaconda, they'd never choose. Um, <laughs> I think I posted somewhere that basically I want it to look like a massive ice cream van with like right. a window in the side and mind that child <laughs> between suddenly, the engine thrusters. Suddenly, I'm I said, interested again. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And the thing I said is that basically I wanted to just leave the anaconda parked at Sagittarius A so that when people have finally made the long kind of journey <laughs> to the centre of the galaxy, what they see when they get there is just this massive ice cream van <laughs> and maybe like a place selling hats. Okay, we're, we're, we're getting comments from the chat that it's not a colouring-in competition. <laughs> it is a colouring-in competition. It's even like black and white sheets that you... They've even said you can print them out, colour them in and scan them in to send your entries in. <laughs> I'm just interesting. I mean, it might be worth going down to B&Q and picking up one of those little jars of the chrome paint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that's going to scan, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, uh, maybe I, I, I misjudged your enthusiasm for that project, then, Grant. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean, there's going to be people out there that are going to do some amazing designs, and thank goodness for them. But it kind of reminds me of a, a comedy trailer that they did for The Lost, the final season. And I can't remember who did the comedy trailer, but basically it was: Do you know what happened on the island? Can you explain the panda bear? then let us know, because we've got a clue. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, right, we need to do some paint jobs for these anacondas. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, oh, I've got a great idea. Let's ask, let's ask the public to come up with them for us. And I think it's, it's great to get us involved. It's, it's, it's wonderful for the kind of quiet time between big updates and things to have these kind of things and, and to give people who have got that artistic skill, that have got that image in their head of what they want these ships to look like. I mean, you could have some amazing camouflage for an anaconda, although how you're going to hide that, I don't know. But it, it does have the right to have a skin on it that scares the crap out of views it comes into view doesn't it you know it should be something really really aggressive but I did see on the thread there was a thing about because there are templates for ships other than the anaconda so is the competition just the anaconda or is it a few ships you see, I thought it was just for the Anaconda, but yeah, I did see ones for the Cobra Mark III as well. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's a skin competition for the very. They've got a list of templates, and I'll have a wee quick look and see if I can see what the templates are, and I'll come back yeah. to you in a second. But as you say, I mean, there will be people out there who really kind of take to a challenge like this, and hopefully produce some absolutely fantastic skins, um, and hopefully the moderators at frontier won't have to wade through too many co- <laughs> cock drawings or copyright things they can't possibly use okay yeah. they have the anaconda we have the viper we have the cobra mark three vulture and asp templates so that's a good range of ships and they are absolutely perfect for printing out and putting in a mcdonald's tree <laughs> <laughs> Uh, coming to a McDonald's near you in Glasgow Psycho Cow gets everybody else to do his work awesome Um, how many of them do you think I can just write escape velocity on (laughs) just across like all the panels of the ship just escape velocity one thing one thing I did see was that somebody had designed the Cobra Mark 3 and painted it entirely brown with a tan outline and then a big tan Y coming down from the back and coming down to the front and making this gigantic pair of Y fronts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
brilliant. Always a nice touch. Well, you see, you just can't you can't beat the elite dangerous community when it comes to creativity, which uh, leads us on to another quick uh, topic, which is the. Um, the, the, the 10 amazing or unusual Elite Dangerous setups. Have you guys had a chance to see this in the beta community? Uh, we're talking about you know, the sort of setup that you'd want to have uh, for an Oculus Rift. These are absolutely uh, phenomenal. Uh, let me just give you guys this, uh, this link. But they're basically people's um, uh, people's sort of homemade simulators. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. I've seen a few of these recently. There was one guy that has some thing that he sells people, which is, uh, I think it's like a three projector system or something. That's the top uh, one, yeah. Yeah, it really, I saw a photo of it and I thought, oh, this guy's photoshopped a picture of him and his family <laughs> sitting in a cobra. And then I looked at it again and I thought, no, no, they actually are sitting in a cobra. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I was quite impressed by that one. I've not seen any of the others, though. That's, that's uh, the one that's been, oh, sorry, that one's been all over Facebook. I've been seeing that almost every day, and every yeah, time I look at yeah. it, I go, oh, <laughs> but it's, it's just, oh, you've just, oh. but that's completely uh, negated by an Oculus anyway. Well, that's the thing, you know, and these setups are absolutely amazing, but the moment you put that Oculus headset, you know, rig on, then you basically got this. But in a much sort of cheaper <laughs> and much no, smaller. No, you're, you're compact. missing the point with really? the projectors. He's sitting in the cockpit with his family. It's like a social <laughs> experience thing. Whereas, as much as I love the Oculus Rift, it is the single most antisocial yeah. device possibly invented since the Walkman. Ah, but you see, Facebook have bought it, so it's going to become all about the social element. We're all going to be sitting in a room with our headsets on together, talking in cyberspace when we could be talking in our lounge. We've not seen Wally. <laughs> um, the other one that I did sort of pick out, which I really liked, because I only got a limited amount of room uh, on my desk, and I've got a two monitor set up, and I think each one is about 21 inches, uh, and there isn't really that much room uh, to get any more in, unless I did what this guy's done with five monitors, and he stood them on their end. And so instead of them being landscape, <laughs> they're portraits. So I, like I could that. easily get another three monitors in here if I turned them around the other way. So I, I love this idea a lot. That um, is hilarious. Oh, there was he got. He's got five portraits, 24-inch screens turned around on their sides, stood up on end. It looks absolutely amazing. He's got an AMD R9 uh, 295. He's got two of those running it, uh, which obviously probably costs quite a bit. But, I mean, seriously, go and check it out because the amount of uh, effort some people have put in uh, is absolutely awesome. I mean, there's another guy who's got a metal-framed uh, rig where he's got speakers mounted on metal arms all over the speakers uh, over the top of the monitors and stuff. Um, it's there, just... must, there must come a point, though, when you've got, like, five monitors set up surrounding you, you must look at, like, the the nothing that you can see in the kind of <laughs> left and right most monitors, and you think, I've really set up an entire monitor to look at the side of my ship and a few stars. Yeah, but isn't that going to be awesome, though? I mean, especially when you've got, you know, that ship flying in front of your screen, you can literally just look to the right and watch it, you know, sail past you as it goes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and finally, the last one on that one uh, gets a special mention. Someone has also hooked in a uh, Street Fighter Street Fighter 3 uh, arcade joystick. Um, <laughs> someone's saying that in order to fire a missile, it has to be down, down, left, left, fire, fire. Yeah. Punch, punch, which I think is quite a, <laughs> quite hold, hold, a good one. Hold the fort, number four. Uh, describe number four. Number four is like the, hort the hort horse, the hot ass uh, <laughs> warthog, um, but. It basically given a dose of some radioactive serum that caused it to mutate into 
a combination of looks like the throttle's been customed with switches, there's pistons on it, there looks to be a... Yeah. Is that a, a bicycle brake at the top? It's a bicycle brake, yeah. <laughs> oh, that thing is That's absolutely amazing! Look at this! There's so many buttons on that thing! It does it like a NASA control room circa 1964. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think you'd overshoot quite as many planets if you had a handlebar brake that you could slow your ship down with. That's just, that is just hysterical. The only thing that's missing, therefore, now is a bell. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's what the injection syringe thing is. That, that's the bell. You push that down, and that's what makes the ding-ding noise. I was going to say, is that, is, is, it looks like a choke. <laughs> Does the Cobra Mark III have a manual choke? Oh, dear. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's the thing. What you want to see is, right, okay, it's good enough to see these pictures of the thing. You want to see what benefit that gives a pair, other than, you know... <laughs> being able to sort of do these controller porn pictures which unfortunately speak to me more than the paint jobs do but <laughs> Render G you have got to market it how much how much do you want <laughs> show me it working first I want to know what that pushing thing does it does look like you could administer adrenaline to your thigh <laughs> while playing <laughs> that's what you need if you're going to Hutton Orbital that's the that's the wake up shot you get at the halfway point in order to make sure you can complete the journey <laughs> it could be that the lights just lined up and you've got to press the button in order to continue to fly in the direction so it'll keep you awake going right I've got to press that one right the next one's going right okay and that way you don't just nod off <laughs> It'd be great if all those little lights were the individual ship subsystems that you can turn on and off conveniently. That'd oh, be really? amazing. Really? Is that not? Uh, I think that would be uh, micromanaging a little bit too far. That big. No, no. I quite like... often, I quite often pair my ship systems down to the bare minimum in order to keep my heat profile as low as possible while still flying normally. I quite often switch stuff on and off all all things all all time. Mm. I just never bother. I absolutely really? never bother. Uh... No. I can see there's a few uh, few comments that the pump might be for inflating the autopilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that idea a lot. Cool, well, let's leave those, uh, those interesting uh, inventions behind. Uh, go to a quick advert, and when we come back, uh, Chris and I are going to run through uh, the, uh, the stream information that we got from Gamescom. We buy any ship, bar none. We buy any ship, bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship, bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship, bar none, are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is... We take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. We buy any ship excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Ada, Anaconda, Asp, Bar, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Moray, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. Live radio! It's even louder than me! Wait a minute! That can't be right! Oh, cool. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I was just chuckling away about Brian. Blessed. Um, 
interesting you know when you recorded that um we buy any ship advert way back when and you pulled out all the um all the ships that you can remember it's and like, all the ones it's like from frontier, frontier development's list of shame <laughs> ah you say that but um going off topic and completely going all over our uh, our show notes there is obviously an expansion between 1.4 and horizons and it's called obviously 1.5 but it's been called ships it'll uh, be all of those well, this is what i'm just thinking i'm just wondering how many of those from we buy any car advert are going to actually appear in the game really i don't know the merlin's got to be in there surely oh, i've given i know I've, uh, <laughs> I've given up all any hope for getting the merlin <laughs> no i don't know i mean um i'd like to i'd like you know i said before i'd like to see the lifter just because i think it looks like the um ship from uh, space 1999 so that would that'd be a winner for me um someone one of the books the the guy's obsessed with um lanners i can't think which one it is i think it's unhear the wheel uh, okay yeah uh, i think the pirates in that fly lanner um and there's the the, uh, the saker of course and all that sort of stuff so i don't know it's just be you know it'd be nice to see it'd be nice to see whatever they do i'm hoping that the ship's update isn't going to be stuff like <laughs> the, the asp the asp interceptor the federal <laughs> top ship sunroof edition the you know well you've got to think there's, yeah there's got to be an element of that though surely because looking at how how long it's take them how long it's taken them to sort of bring out ships in each iteration um to go from 20 to over 30 in one expansion suggests that they're not all going to be brand new spanking ships like the you know the moray starboat or the the panther clipper you've got you've got to think that some of these are going to be sort of uh you know updates uh, mark twos mark threes mark fours uh to existing ships that we've already got in the game well, I'm still, I'm, I'm still hoping that the moray is going to be amphibious. So it would be nice for the moray to wait until we get planetary landings with ocean features. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it would, be, it would be nice to see some of the ships. I mean, I, I would really like to see the Merlin come back. Um, not just you know for escape velocity reasons, but also because you know I'm a sucker for any kind of trifoil spacecraft <laughs> the fact that that's the kind of you know that's the that's the one that looks a bit like the imperial shuttlecraft um is uh, is brilliant but in another sense i'm just happy to see whatever new ships they bring into the mix because actually i know people have their, their different favorites and that has been complaining here and there about different ships but actually the the roster of ships they've brought into the game so far have been excellent yeah um so as, as long as they kind of continue in that tradition, I mean, I would say that some of the CQC ships maybe will come into um, come into the, the ships update, but I don't know. I mean, they, they've talked previously about how the the CQC ships are kind of too small to be really considered inter inter interplanetary um, vessels. Horizons, yeah. horizons. <laughs> you can take them down in your anaconda and use them to fly around the surface. Yeah. Well, because someone was pointing out that on that colouring in sheet for the anaconda, there's a thing <laughs> at the bottom that has the description of the anaconda. And it does say in that, at the bottom of that, that craft up to the size of the sidewinder can fit within a, a special hangar adaptation for the anaconda. Now, that's very cool. But the thing it made me think of is if you've got an anaconda and then inside that you've got a sidewinder and inside the sidewinder you've got the scarab, you're basically playing Russian dolls <laughs> with elite ships. And I was wondering, I was then wondering what you can get an anaconda into. Uh, the bolt, what is it, the Lynx bolt carrier? Yeah, like, maybe. One of those. 
<laughs> or even, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but the Panther Clipper, I mean, I'm hoping that's going to be a big step up from uh, from a Type 9. I'm, I'm looking for something at least twice the size of a Type 9. And, and I hope uh, it drives just as badly, because <laughs> there's just something wonderful about anything flying past your window and that thing, and it taking you two hours to turn the damn thing around. <laughs> but something, I want, to, I want to stoke the excitement in the community with a complete guess and a complete and utter made-up fact here. They're talking about that ships will bring the player controllable ships up to was it 30? Over 30 yeah. Over 30. How many non-playable ships do you think that might contain as well? <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, what in terms of the skimmers and stuff that we're going to see on planets or something different? Oh, well, I mean, obviously we've got Thargoid chips, which you can't control, you can only shoot at. But, you know, they, they might not be part of that particular <laughs> update. But I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, let's create other ships, let's create hi- hybrids of ships. You know, like we always talk about the Alliance not having any ships and yeah. no ship love for the Alliance, and we're hoping some of these will be for it. But it's maybe time for the NPCs to have bangers. You know, that ship that's leaving a smoke trail all the way to the station. <laughs> um, but you can, you know, yeah. just to create that sense of... Of wealth and poverty. I mean, if you go into a system when you've got your big pristine anaconda and you pull in there and there's all these small, you know, ships and they're all damaged and rusted and barely landing without bits falling off, you know fine well when you undock that station, you're going to have people following you ready to take what you've got. And I think that might just add a flavour around these stations because at the moment all the ships look pristine. Let's have a couple of real nasty ships limping around stations. Maybe get the odd one being towed in by another ship. (laughs) <laughs> Firefly or something like that <laughs> <laughs> Well uh, just talking about this this Wings update the, uh, the release dates obviously we know that 1.4 which is going to be CQC that's coming in September um, and then we know that Horizons is supposed to be coming out in the holiday period which is what Thanksgiving uh, to Christmas Thanksgiving being I think we discussed this in the last show was that the, the 10th of December somewhere around there Hold on let me check a map Maps, isn't, this, isn't Thanksgiving like 19th of November or something like that 19th, 20th? Uh, hold on. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic live radio, everyone. I'm, I'm glad you're sticking with us. <sighs> Fozzer leaving his computer to go and check his diary. <laughs> yeah, my diary doesn't say because it's an English diary. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let anyway. me Google that for you. <laughs> it's going to be early December anyway, so sometime between uh, September and early December. November uh, 26th. Is, okay, uh, so sometime between September and late November, we've got mm-hmm. this Wings update. So, I mean, you can imagine that it's, it's got to be sort of there or thereabouts, because they haven't left themselves much time from CQC and Horizons to actually get this thing in, so... You'd imagine if it's ships, then most of these ships are probably sat there in Frontier Towers, actually finished or, you know, near completed already. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder if maybe the ship's update will be actually at the same time as Horizons to maybe feel make the core Elite Dangerous players feel a bit better? Um, possibly. Um, I don't that, think they've shown any indication of actually... Um, Minding about making the core lead players <laughs> feel how <better>. rude. <laughs> oh, see, that's quite, quite a cynical viewpoint you just dropped in there. <laughs> 
but you might be right. You might be right. I mean, it is. It's kind of you know. It's kind of like that newsletter newsletter talking about all the shiny things. Offline mode's been removed. And moving on, it could be that like here's ships. And that's the beta out, guys. Oh, you can land on the planet. Just shh, don't tell them. <laughs> yes, oh look, shinies. <laughs> oh, this is probably a good place actually to uh, to just touch on the um, uh, the various expansion paths to Horizons before we get into the uh, the stream update. Uh, it seemed to cause a lot of people a lot of confusion as to what they were entitled to, uh, what would have to, uh, yeah, who would have to pay a little bit more to get uh, Horizons, and when they could buy Horizons, would that include the uh, original Elite core game, etc., etc. Um, Grant, do you have the wonderfully clear uh, flowchart to, to run us through? I do. Excellent. <laughs> Hold on, I've just got to maximise this window to go through. Well, first of all, the one thing that confused me last time we had a show was I couldn't grasp why there's an Horizons update and it includes ED. Well, if I already own ED, why would I want to pay for ED again? But then I've understood that what you are buying is Horizons update. Kind of think about if they were to take Elite off sale today and the only way you could get Elite was to buy Elite Dangerous Horizons, you know, the old software becomes no longer purchasable. But because of the model of being able to buy in at whatever level you wanted, um, you'd want to have the old core versions people who don't want to land on planets could just buy the core version and, and play the game but it's led to this slight gap here where if you buy Elite Horizons you're also including the core game in it but you can't download that core game at the current time until the Horizons update is out and I think that's possibly the only thing that kind of makes this not make sense it's kind of the one thing if it was buy Elite Dangerous Horizons you can download the Elite core from there and play now then there wouldn't be as much of an issue if you then remove the old Elite Core from sale and therefore you're just replacing the Elite Dangerous. But that goes against that particular model. So it is confusing as hell, but I kind of got my head yeah, around that it's not as bad as I thought it was, that there should be an upgrade-only pack when, frankly, really, it's replacing the old one in, in all intents and purposes. Yeah, I think I think the problem with making the the existing Elite Dangerous content available to people now that pre-order Horizons is going back to the kind of moaning thing of the current user base of like, you know, the, you're less open to moaning. If you say to people, well, you've bought Elite Dangerous, and uh, okay, this isn't true for people that have bought it more recently, but if you talk about people that bought it at launch you've had a whole year of elite of enjoyment out of Elite Dangerous and then there's going to be this new one coming out. Whereas actually, if you say to people right now, you, you can pre-order Horizons and you're also getting Elite Dangerous as well, then people who've bought Elite Dangerous recently are going to be like, well, I've recently paid 40 quid for Elite Dangerous and now I'm going to have to pay another 40 quid for Horizons. You know, kind of what's in it, what's in it for me. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I can see why the new people coming on board with Horizons will have to wait until the full release. Because they're, they're basically saying that they're, they're kind of taking Elite... The, the, you know, the, the sort of basic Elite Dangerous is coming out of circulation when Horizons is released. Yeah. And, and it is one of these things that you just have to think about what you want from the game going forward. I mean, they could have called it an annual subscription... But it would have been yeah. a, it would have been as popular as that comment was. 
<laughs> or a sequel, or yeah, or it's a sequel within a shared environment. I mean, like, because uh, we were talking about this the other week. I mean, you know, if you're a, if you're into like Assassin's Creed, you just understand the fact that you have to buy a new one once every year, kind of thing. Um, and it's a bit like that, but it's dark. I think it just it, it feels weird because they've always said that it's not a subscription game, and they've always said there won't be a sequel to Elite Dangerous because Elite Dangerous is the game that we're building on and continuing to expand. But this is, to all intents and purposes, a sequel. I mean, it's another full-price release that contains completely new content built on a framework of the original. That is, that is a sequel, isn't it? Well, hold on. I mean, how does this differ from the World of Warcraft model, where you get various sort of, I don't know, I don't play the game, but sort of Rise of the Witch King? Was that not a paid expansion that you, you had to buy? I, I know less about it than you might imagine. I don't think, you know, in particular, certainly with World of Warcraft, I think your monthly subscription um, would cover the cost of these updates with Eve I think sometimes they're oh, that's the same as well I, I'm not aware of World of Warcraft but then again the way that I played World of Warcraft was I would get one version of it uh, pay for a couple of months get bored of it and then I'd come back a couple of years later and I'd be buying in again so I'm not entirely sure. I don't think I ever played long enough for it to reach the next update that structure I think maybe the issue is the pricing. I think if you compare it to something like Guild Wars, Guild Wars is a much more comparable model to this because it was the... F- I'm about to say it was the first MMA that did this, and I don't know that's true. But certainly, it was unusual for Guild Wars to be an MMO where you just bought the software and then your online play, your, your MMO-ness, was all basically free. Um, and then Guild Wars released sort of DLC updates which would build on your, you know, you would buy them as add-ons to your game and they would give you new content to explore. Now, this is a bit like that, except that this new update costs as much as a brand new game and takes the original game box out of commission. If they said said to people Elite Dangerous Horizons is 20 quid, I don't think, and and you have to buy Elite Dangerous and the 20 quid add-on in order to get the whole thing. I think people would have understood that because that's similar to something like The Sims or Guild Wars or, do you know what I mean? That's that's a core game with add-ons. People get that. Um, But to make Elite Dangerous Horizons the game and to effectively deprecate the previous release of the game, I think is what's maybe sticking in people's crawl. Yeah, I mean, looking at the chat channel, it seems to be the case that not only do you have to pay a monthly subscription to World of Warcraft, but you also have to pay for the expansions as well. Uh, and there seems to be a bit of disagreement as to whether or not those expansions were as expensive as the full game or not as, as expensive as the full game. I think, yeah. the thing, I I think, think what it's... I found with those was that if you bought the expansion, you would get a month's free, and I think it was comparable to a month's payment or such just the, you know the way that yeah. i played it i just came back in later oh there's an update is the the whatever king and you're kind of going all right well let's give it a go and see if it's any better 10 minutes later <sighs> no i just <laughs> <laughs> i think it's I, I think my 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 personal main issue with it is i don't actually think it's a problem I mean, if you told me that Elite dangerous was going to be this thing that you you bought a new one every year for about 40 quid. I think you can understand that. I think the problem is that this has been announced now in August. 
So the people who've been, as I say, the people who've been buying Elite Dangerous for like the last couple of months are the people who've most been done out of pocket. Because well, yeah, if you hadn't yeah. bought the game and then someone had told you, well, actually, there's going to be a completely new version coming out in three months' time that's, that's 40 quid, you'd probably think, well, maybe I won't buy it now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they certainly don't. Uh, they're the guys that have missed the sweet spot. That's without a shadow of a doubt. They're the guys that are, you know, have have a justification for feeling a little bit on the myth side. But before we talk about them, Grant, why don't you just to quickly run us through what people are entitled to? So if people are sitting there driving the cars who haven't been on the uh, on the web trying to figure it out, who gets what and for what price? Okay, not a problem. Well, we'll start off with, do you currently have a copy of Elite Dangerous? And we're going to assume that you don't, because this gives you the sort of more straightforward options that you can do. You can buy Elite Dangerous at £29.99, or $44, or $45.38, Euros, and that gets you Elite Dangerous right now, but that doesn't get you anything else. Now, the Elite Dangerous DVD edition gives you a copy of the game on DVD when it arrives through your front doorstep. That's not really relevant. Same boat boat as the 2999, which is the downloadable version. So these two get you into the game. You start playing Elite Dangerous now, but it has no bearing on Horizons. You will get no Horizons update. You would have to buy that again. Or you can pre-order Elite Dangerous Horizons now, and that will get you access to Elite Dangerous Horizons when it was released in the holiday 2015 period, and at that time, you will also have access to the core Elite game as well. It's all part and parcel, so essentially you'll have to wait until the pre-release is out in order to play Elite at all. However, it will save you spending £29.99 now just to play it for three months. So that's your choices there. Then you've got your kind of uh, special options. You've got your Elite Dangerous Horizons Beta, which is £49.99, and that will give you beta access to Elite Dangerous Horizons, which means you'll get into Horizons before the main group of people do. You'll get a chance to do some bug fixes, to to identify bugs, get a chance to get your hand the hand of um, flying and landing on planets before everybody else. However, there's no guarantees on how long that beta period will be. It could be as little as a week. It could be as much as a month. And it's £10 more expensive. Now, your last option, if you don't currently have Elite Dangerous at all, is to pick up the Lifetime Expansion Pass. Now, this is £130, €195, €175. This is kind of the catch-all. This gives you access to Elite Dangerous to download right now and get stuck in. It will also give you the Horizons update, and it will give you beta access to the Horizons update. And unlocks the Cobra Mark IV so that you'll be able to purchase that in-game with your in-game money and it will give you all future expansions and beta access going forward and when it's put like that that doesn't seem too bad for £130 so that's probably if, you, if you're planning on being an elite addicted pilot that's probably the package is worth saving up for however of course if you currently own Elite Dangerous or you have recently bought one of the 29.99 versions then that's a trade off that you're going to have to think about in which case you might be looking at the beta pre-order if you want beta access <coughs> so how many more it depends how many more big ones they're going to do, as it were. Um, because if you're if you're talking about Horizons being update one, then 
planetary landings with an atmosphere, more on that later, being Horizons <laughs> 2, then potentially you're talking about first-person mode being an entirely separate release. Yep. There's potentially at least three. So even if you do currently own the game or have recently bought it, the lifetime expansion pass still isn't unthinkable. I mean, it's, you know, it's a gamble. And it's yeah. one. It's one of these things you might have to just save up for. It certainly, I think, it represents the best value for money option if you're wanting to be involved uh, with the game mm. for the long term. However, you know, the it's it's just one of these things as to do you need to save up for that? But you've got a couple of months to save up. Uh, it's like one game a month until release, and it's w- whether or not that last month that you get your money and that you can afford to buy it is the month that they take it off sale one day beforehand. <laughs> Because that does tend to happen to some people, and it's unfortunate. But I think that's a—I know it's the most expensive option, and it's clearly marketed to be the biggest value for money, so that it makes people spend more money now. Yeah, and which obviously just grows the community and gives people, you know, a reason for sort of staying with it. I mean, they've got this ten-year plan that we hear about uh, Frontier Developments keep on talking about. But let's just sort of run through how many updates you think. So Thargoids. Uh, one planetary landings with atmosphere two uh walking around in stations uh three uh attacking other ships walking around in ships four uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not convinced thargoids is necessarily going to be a separate uh, oh it's, of course it's, it going be, it's going to be a massive it's event it's going to kick it off and I, I but then again that doesn't work as an update though does it? it doesn't work as an update if you've got if you're flying in a wing and you've got elite core and your friend's got the thargoid update and he suddenly explodes <laughs> for no apparent reason <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you the, what they would do, what they could do that would make it a separate expansion, is if they made, if they reintroduced Witch Space, and made the Thargoid universe an entirely separate universe yeah. overlaid on top of ours. Stop giving them see. ideas. Stop it. Stop it. Because, yeah. No, so basically, the, the reason that, that Horizons is being touted as a kind of entire new release is because what, what they've said is that the amount of gameplay that is in, available on planets basically expands the game you know there is an they 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 claimed that they are aiming for an entire game's worth of content on any one planet so it's clear that frontier's approach is that these big updates they want it to be massive upgrades to gameplay options now just introducing thargoids as a plot device or as another type of npc that attacks you to me, that is not a substantial enough update to warrant it being a whole expansion on its own. But if you introduce an entire new gameplay area along with the Thargoids, that's expansion-worthy. And that's something that you can release and say, Thargoid space, which space, a kind of, you know, and it's actually, you know, there, there is form for it because there's lots of games. It's actually almost a bit of a cliche in games, <laughs> this idea of having two versions of the universe, a light one and a dark one. And the dark one is the kind of the same physical space as the light one, um, but everything's different. I mean, you look at something like um, Legacy of Cain, um, you know, Soul Reaver, you look at... Legend of Zelda, Twilight Princess. Uh, oh, God, the times of them. Um, but that's, you know, that's a thing that... That is a game design thing, is that you basically have a mirror copy of the universe where everything is slightly different. 
Um, even Darkseed, if anyone remembers Darkseed. Yeah, I do. I'll be, I'll be impressed if we get any hands up in the chat room. I remember Darkseed. Good yeah, game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I personally, I don't think Thargoid ships and a storyline involving an invasion or whatever. I, for me, that, that's not big enough. To, that's not that's not Horizons. Horizons is opening up an entire new area of sandbox to play in. Okay, well, what about if they did it a different way? Um, let's mention the uh, competition. Uh, Star Citizen have two games. They have, obviously, this open universe game where you can go and do anything in a complete sandbox. And then they obviously have their sort of Wing Commander scripted... Um, you're fighting the military uh, storyline. Uh, I can't remember for the life of me remember exactly what uh, what that part of the game's called. But what if um, Frontier did something similar? So the Thargoids are invading at the, the edges of the Frontier, and the, the new game is that you sort of join this sort of scripted Wing Commander-type style arcade uh, military progression uh, storyline uh, that's completely separate from the rest of the game. Would that be something you'd buy into or not? Now... No, it's, it, it's the sort of thing I'd buy into, but I, it's it's a, ve- it, it would be very unlike anything that Frontier have expressed an interest in ever doing. Mm. Scripted missions and kind of one level after another actually is almost the antithesis of what David Rabin <laughs> said he wanted yeah, to do. That is true. That is true. Maybe so it'd be a very odd move. Maybe we'll have an update that is station ownership at some point as well. I mean, ten years is a long time, and we're going to get to the stage where people are going to want to have their own little part of this massive play area to call their own, and we're going to have people who've got enough money to buy Sol at that stage too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always been quite keen on the idea of a game where, yeah, they like say the because it's almost. I mean, with their experience of doing things like, well, you know, Planet Coaster coming up, I've always liked the idea of a game in which you want to be involved in the elite universe but you don't want to fly ships so why can't i run a space station as a th- like a theme park type game mm-hmm. like i've got my space station i've got areas within it that i can kit out with shops like a black market or a ship upgrade facility and actually the npcs who come and go and buy from you are actually players and the players form part of your sh- station management economy i think that'd be really interesting but Okay, well, we need to we, we need to go through the options now for people who currently own Elite Dangerous, and uh, yeah, I think I just wanted to add a clarification because there was someone that was saying something oops. in the chat room, and, and maybe we made it sound a little bit odd. We should make it clear they're they're not discontinuing the current Elite Dangerous universe. If you buy a copy of Elite Dangerous, even now, you will still always be able to play the game that is currently Elite Dangerous. Yeah, as it currently yeah. stands. So it's not, it's not, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to switch off your account um, when Horizons is released or anything. That game is still ongoing. So you know, there are arguably reasons to buy Elite Dangerous if you're not interested in the whole planets thing. So you know, put that out there. But the thing is, of course, that when when Horizons is out, it's going to be the same price as Elite Dangerous is now. And if you're given the choice to buy a copy of a game that has more, you're always going to go for the copy of the game that has more. So that's what we're basically saying is that the the way to buy the current build will no longer exist because it's redundant, essentially. But do you think... Yeah, but do you think they'll discontinue it, or do you think they'll make it the the, the basic Elite Dangerous is like 10, 15 quid? Oh, well, they said, haven't they, that if you buy a Horizons, you get the core gameplay as well, so... 
Yeah. yeah, but if you don't want to pay 40 quid, if, if, they, if they said to you, here's Elite Horizons, which has Elite in it and Horizons and it's 40 quid, or you can buy Elite Dangerous and it's now like 10, 15 quid. Ooh. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, I mean, that could be an option. I think if you undervalue, though, you, you, if you undervalue Elite Dangerous uh, as a core game, you're going to introduce people that find it disposable and therefore can buy it in you know numbers so you can get four yep. copies of Elite Dangerous and you can grief the crap out of somebody at that level so there's, a, there's definitely a low point at which you want to kind of go that's too cheap yeah but there's also I mean they also want to encourage people obviously into the new Horizons environment so they then don't want to sell a product that stops people from taking part in Horizons I guess we yeah although it would be quite a nice way of getting into a multi uh, multi commander situation I wouldn't mind paying an extra sort of 10 or 15 pounds just to have a commander <laughs> flying around and trading in space or doing a bit of exploration you know well. <laughs> that's a fair point so well, okay, well, we'll do the other side of the table then which is that you do own a copy of Elite Dangerous and we'll start with the you backed at a Kickstarter level or you were involved in the pre-orders before uh, Elite was uh, released and you might be an Elite Dangerous premium beta backer or a beta purchaser you could be an alpha edition or you could have the Elite Dangerous expansion pass that was on sale prior to its release. If you have any of those three versions then there is nothing that you need to do. You have got Horizons, you have got the Cobra Mark IV, you have got access to all the other future expansions and their betas. These were the options that were pre-launch and they cost around about £80 and plus, depending on what levels you went in at. So if you've got those versions there is nothing for you to do so I'll go through them again Elite Dangerous Premium Beta the Elite Dangerous Alpha and the Elite Dangerous Expansion Pass that were on sale pre-release if you have any of those you don't need to do anything so now it comes to the trickier ones if you have Elite Dangerous then you've paid for if you've bought the Standard Beta or the Mercenary Edition then you will need to go through those options that we read out earlier on with regards to the Elite Dangerous Horizons pre-order and that's a pre-order only that's $29.99 after your loyalty discount of £10 that will give you no beta access or anything else then you've got the Horizons beta pre-order which will give you beta access to the Horizons update when it comes and that's $39.99 €60.50 or you could go for the lifetime expansion pass and this will stop you having to worry in the future about any other updates or any other issues when you get to this point because you'll become an expansion pass holder and that will get you access to the game when it's released in 2015 holiday season it will also unlock the Cobra Mark 4 for you all of these buying horizons will unlock the Cobra Mark 4 and it will give you all the future expansions of Elite Dangerous and beta access to them all again so you're saving £10 which you know if you look at the price of the Elite Dangerous course £29.99 currently they could have been a little bit more generous with their discount I think <laughs> If only for yeah, if yeah. only to promote the lifetime expansion pass, if they could, you know, if they had tiered the discount for that, if they gave you twenty pounds off that, that would have been slightly better, I think. Just, just, just saying, just saying. But essentially, if you currently own it, you have those options of buying the pre-order, the pre-order beta, or the lifetime expansion passes. And obviously, if you buy the expansion pass, you never have to have this worry again. <laughs> 
That's what they're selling. They're selling peace of mind. <laughs> it's a sort of... It's like a protection racket. So there's this whole sort of... Uh, this confused way of sort of pitching it all to everybody. That, that's been the marketing ploy, has it? It's to create uncertainty and, you know... Just, <laughs> It makes people uncomfortable, so that they feel they just want the you know the added security, the, the assurance that they've got the expansion pass, so they don't have to try and wade through the the marketing release and try and figure out which tier they're on and what they're entitled to see and what they're not entitled to. Um, it's, yeah, it's very different. It's very difficult. It's difficult to ascribe value to something. I think. I mean, there was someone in chat earlier that was saying they paid like however much for Elite Dangerous, and they've already had like a thousand hours of gameplay yeah. of it. So in, in a sense, if you paid 40 quid for something that's given you a thousand hours of entertainment, it doesn't really owe you anything. <laughs> um, in the same way that, you know, I mean, I played a, um, a game the other day that I backed a, on Kickstarter um, at a reasonably high level, not a massively high level, but I mean, I'd finished the game within four hours. It was, it was very short. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give those four hours back. It was, really, it was a really good four hours, but at the same time, it's... Do you know what I mean? If you if you're talking about spending like fifteen quid on a game that you can you basically finish within four hours, or forty quid on a game that you sink even a couple of hundred hours into, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things like that, though, isn't there? If you think about it, people are prepared to pay what is it, sort of 12, ten to fifteen pounds to go to the cinema for ninety minutes these days. We paid with two of us. With two of us went to see a movie the other day in three D, and it was like twenty six quid. Yeah, both of us just nuts. So, I mean, and you don't get a refund that... if it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know people that have got refunds at the cinema. You have to make quite a fuss, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I they, should do like a, they should do like a standard thing, like if, like with Steam, where if you've played it for less than two hours, like in a movie, if you walk out before the kind of 60-minute mark... Yeah, you don't have to pay. To, I think Pixels would have done a lot worse on that basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to see Fantastic Four until uh, all the reviews for that uh, came flying through. It's just like, no. You know, we're looking at it on Flickster and it's like got something stupid like 3% from the critics and only like 7% from the uh, from the actual punters that went to pay for it. It's like, it's, no. It's a, it's a, it's a shame because I've been, I've been reading some Fantastic Four comics recently and it's a really great, it's got its own kind of distinctive flavour. Um, and the whole idea of making trying to make Fantastic Four kind of tough and gritty is just missing the point. Mm. I mean, like one of the Fantastic Four is a guy basically made out of plastic who can bend his arms to any length and change shape into different <laughs> objects. This is not a gritty superhero story. Um, and I read this thing the other day, basically saying if you want a good Fantastic Four movie, go watch The Incredibles because yeah. The Incredibles is the Fantastic Four done well. Um, and I think I'm really gutted about it because I love the Fantastic Four, but after two failed movie franchises, yeah, it's, it's, we're not going to see it again. Well, it was interesting what the director said on Twitter, which was then sort of pulled away about the fact that, you know, he had a great movie. Last year, there was a great movie here. It's just a shame you guys will never get to see it. It's basically saying that the studio and stuff tweaked it to the extent that it was absolutely crap. Um, Yeah, but I think that's... I don't don't buy that. I'm not saying studios don't interfere, but... Um, Josh Trank was brought onto the project as a result of the huge success of Chronicle. And I don't know if anyone's seen Chronicle, but I yeah. thoroughly recommend it. It's good game. Yeah, good game. Good film. Cracking movie. Um, 
But I think they wanted, I think from the beginning in getting him on board as a director, they wanted it to be a kind of, they wanted him to bring his tough and gritty approach to superheroes that he'd done with Chronicle. And I think Fantastic Four is the wrong project for that. Yeah, Uh, definitely. I completely forgot it was the same guy, actually, now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, this is this is this is way way up, uh, uh, you know a tangent. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's you know we're talking about ascribing value to stuff, and I think it's it's difficult because they have to keep playing this slightly political game with the pricing. Because um, it's like Grant was saying, you can pay an extra ten quid for the Horizons beta pre-order. Is it worth paying an extra ten quid to get like maybe a week or two weeks? head start but at the same time if they don't offer beta to new players coming on board they'll get the usual no that beta is only being offered to players who've been beta backers before so what do you do you have to make it available but you can't make it free so stick 10 quid on it yeah okay well let's maybe uh, let's maybe part of that and move on yeah. to the the main topic of the uh, the show which is just going through and doing a little bit of a recap on the streams that most people probably didn't get a chance to sit down and watch or, or listen to um, from Gamescom. Uh, specifically, the one that we're going to focus on in this show is going to be the, the Sunday stream with Ed and Eddie. Um, it's all a little bit disjointed because we've got it from various sources, uh, mainly the Reddit update, so it's sort of as it happens. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through it and we're going to pick on various bits and pieces uh, and talk a little bit about them as we go through. So um, the first thing that people want to know is what happens when you die in your buggy out on the planet? Uh, and the answer to that is you basically you respawn in your ship, which I'm really happy with that. Well, if, 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 if you die in your ship, you respawn at a station, so I don't really see why it's any different. Well, I suppose, actually, if you think about it, you want to be respawning in your ship, uh, hopefully with a new buggy ready to go, because I'm assuming that these are going to be missions that uh, like capture the base and stuff. You don't really want to be starting <laughs> oh. back, in, back in orbit and stuff. You want to be starting back at your ship, ready to, uh, ready to go again. Oh, I don't know. No, not loving that? I'm not loving the kind of idea of it being like capture the flag where you're going in wave after wave. I think that would... I don't mind that being like a separate thing like CQC, but I think if that's part of the main universe, I think that would... That would suck a little bit. Okay. Um, I think... But I think... Yeah, that's an interesting point, though, about whether when you're back on your ship, you still have a surface buggy. That's a tough one. You've got to say no. If you're trying to keep this into a realistic sort of, you know, because you can't get many of those things in your cargo hold, surely. The, the way the game currently works is if your ship gets destroyed, you're back at the last station you docked at with the option of buying your loadout back. Yeah, true. As insurance. So there isn't, unless you, I know, I'm sorry, this is going to sound rude, but it, unless you plan badly and you don't have the money to buy your loadout back, and I'm aware that plenty of commanders get stuck in this position, it's perfectly fine. But essentially the game is, <laughs> what I'm saying is the game is designed around when you die, there is still a kind of continuation of the game. It doesn't necessarily always mean that you're back at square one. It can sometimes mean that you're back at square one. So... How would they do that in a ship? So you've got your ship, you've got your SRV. Your SRV that you have deployed has been destroyed and you are back on your ship. 
should you just get your SRV back for free and be ready to go again, or do you have to fly back to a space station and pick up another one? Personally, I don't think, uh, and a couple of guys in the chat channel are agreeing that the insurance mechanic is already a massive immersion breaker, so the buggies having the same sort of mechanic isn't going to be any worse. Yeah, but there's no, on the basis that there's no, there's no permadeath. So the whole, I mean, I, you know, in terms of a fiction thing, I, I obviously have huge problems with the idea that you're in your ship, you die and you wake up back at the station. Because there's nothing within the elite universe that suggests that there is like memory backup and cloning, um, which is, of course, the old Ian Banks yeah. solution to things. That everyone who lives on a space station, their minds are kept constantly kind of backed up in the cloud and there's no suggestion in elite that that's going on so it is a it is one of these things where it's a game mechanic over an immersion mechanic um but i think on the way the basis of the way the game uses resources it would surprise me if when you come back to life in your ship that you then have another srv ready for deployment I think you're going to have to fly back to the station and buy a new one, which is really annoying because if you have, it then becomes this thing of I'm trying to assault this base. My SRV's been destroyed. I now can't just have another go at it. I've got to actually fly somewhere, pick up another SRV, and come back. Yeah, that's yeah. sort of annoying. Um, unless you're in a wing with someone who's got maybe a ship big enough to carry multiple ones, in which case maybe they're <laughs> they're able to sort of drop one for you to control. God, we've only just got fuel transfer from ship. <laughs> You're talking about moving an SRV from one commander to another. <laughs> okay, no. ne- ne- next point then. Let's just keep going through these, otherwise we're going to be here until next week. So what happens to wingmen if they don't have horizons, but I do? Uh, quite simply, the game mechanic for that is going to be they won't be able to do an orbital descent, so the orbital frame shift or whatever mode is going to be. Um, there will be an in-fiction notification that they lack the right equipment. Uh, the item needed to enable descent is only available to horizon players. That's fair enough. That's not too much of immersion, uh, immersion breakers. Yeah, Frontier Elite 2 had the um, atmospheric shielding. Yeah. You couldn't land. I know these are atmosphereless planets, but it's a similar sort of thing. Yeah. Um, this one's especially for Grant. What happens if you fly into the ground at high speeds? You die. Collisions damage your ship as normal. Higher gravity may affect the force of impact. So your idea of planet darts isn't going to work quite as well as we hoped. What, 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 <laughs> if, what if it's a cheese planet? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, how will we know if it's going to be a high or a low gravity planet uh, they're not going to say um, details about the wrecked ship that we find on the planet so the wrecked ships are going to be scannable uh, they may have dropped some black boxes or cargo um, black boxes if they're going to be the same sort of black boxes that we get in space in terms of they're just things that we get pack and we sell is that a bit naff or would we like a little bit more fiction around these black boxes as opposed to just being you know assets in game I think it depends what they're... Sorry, Sorry. go. I was just thinking, it'd be interesting if picking up the black box creates a story in the mission chain. You know, that would be interesting. You know, for example, you've got some information on the black box that you're able to decrypt from it, um, and it gives you a a story or a station to return it to, or a family, you know, have found, tell my my wife I love her, (laughs) and and that kind of thing. But it sets you off on a a, a mission, you know, or you pick up one and it happened to belong to some uh, nasty agent who's got secrets against the Empire or against another local small faction. 
station and you pick it up and you make a run for it and suddenly the heat's on and you're being hunted down and oh you know that that'd be that would make it interesting that'd make it awesome <laughs> i think i think it's a hard thing to judge until we know what the um changes to the um mission system are yeah because whatever these things are that are going to generate missions or crash ships on planets they're going to be developed on from whatever the advanced mission structure is we're going to get so yeah at the moment if it was just that that probably be quite disappointing but hopefully that's going to be expanded anyway well it says in terms of missions on planets it said yes they're expanding the mission system so changes that affect starport missions as well uh, missions will change so in other words if you have access to planetary surfaces a mission may have stages in space that also you lead you down to the surface as well I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader, I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple, with so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... (laughs) Shooting (laughs) shooting Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. Anyway, we're back. So what were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about mission on planets. So um, other things that are adding on to this, starports on planet surfaces. So what we found out is that starports on planet surfaces will be uh, in horizons at release. So starports, so you can do things like trading exactly as you would do uh, up in space. You are going to be able to do that on planets. Uh, there's also going to be smaller outposts, and these may be defended by hostiles. Defended by hostiles? that better for you Jarvis would you like that or is that a bit too much like capture the flag <laughs> <laughs> a bit too I mean, team just... fortressy no I, I don't I don't mind the idea of I don't mind the idea of a kind of ground assault kind of thing I think of what I what I don't want to go back to is, is, is the thing of you're trying to storm um, you're trying to storm like an area you die you go back to a spawn point you try and storm that's not the kind of game that I think Elite Dangerous wants to be. Um, and I've, you know, I've played enough rounds of levels like Operation Overlord before in my life to just be tired of that kind of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, something where, you, I mean, you know, something where you have to kind of either infiltrate a location or take out kind of security drones before you you can kind of get into a base it could be really interesting gameplay. It just depends how it's, it just depends how it's phrased really, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, how can you find your ship's location when driving was a question? Uh, your ship will appear on the radar within a certain range. Uh, when you travel further away, I like this bit, when you travel further away, it'll actually take off into orbit and then can be called back to land near your current location. That's that's quite a cool gameplay mechanic. It also, to some extent, stops other people coming across your ship and causing it damage if it just goes and flies and hides up in space. Yeah, again, it's like the Batman thing again, isn't it? It's yeah. Like- it's like summoning your vehicle to you. Um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it feels in in practice. Because um, if you compare it to something like No Man's Sky, where you park your ship at a location and then you return to your ship, it's a it's a different kind of immersion. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. And it's interesting whether or not you'll be able to do that, because not everyone has an automatic pilot, of course. Yeah. So the reasons for your ship being able to do that maybe aren't totally clear at the moment. But, but maybe the automatic pilot comes automatically with the Horizons update and this uh, equipment yeah. or whatever comes with uh, Horizons. So sort that could landing, be landing oh, yeah. computer. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, okay, uh, will we be able to land on the moon? The answer to that is only with a permit, which may be difficult to get. It's, there's supposedly no riffraff allowed under it to land on the moon. Uh, <laughs> it's protected for reasons that will be revealed later. Ooh. Yeah, I, I, when, I, when I heard this, I like the idea that it's something like um, the series, um, what's it called? Earth Search, mm. uh, which is a brilliant series. And one of the things that features in it is when they discover the moon, they discover the, the first... The, like the museum for the first landing yeah. on the moon, and they have Neil Armstrong's boot print in like a glass case because <laughs> it's still completely unchanged. The idea is that the moon has become this kind of shrine to spaceflight history. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I quite like that idea as well. Um, when will we discover the purpose of the screen between our legs? Did anybody else realise there was a screen between your legs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, trademark soon all will be revealed in Horizons um, it, its purpose has been planned all along you see now that tickles me because I honestly did not notice that there was a screen between my legs at all <laughs> all this time you've spent in DK2s and you've never looked down I've never looked at my own crotch or at least I haven't made that much attention to my own crotch yeah absolutely <laughs> oh well that's, that's your mistake yeah it worries me that you guys have to be fair but never mind <laughs> it's it's one of those things that people you know it, it just there's wee black screen sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> nothing well speaking about um fade to black that's the answer to the question what's going to happen in terms of transition from ship to uh to your srv um it's going to be a fade to black similar to how it was uh going from ship to ship works currently we were talking about this and hoping that it was going to be a like a tracy island sort of a shoot that's going to take the ship take you down from the cockpit and drop you down a chute into the uh into the buggy or something like that like a i don't know either a, a thunderbirds or a wallace and gromit styley um the fade to black i suppose is the easiest way of doing it yeah it, it avoids over engineering the solution yeah but i would have liked a bit of over engineering you here. were desperate I, for some helmet tossing i really strings. was yeah i was just looking for a big shoot to go down that's all um <laughs> other question was is the unidentified artifact mystery a red herring um uh, the answer is it is solvable and supposedly uh, ed and eddie are surprised it hasn't been solved yet the mystery will continue to evolve during horizons now the more i hear about this from frontier the more i hear the frontier say it's ridiculously easy and they're amazed that nobody solved it yet um does that ring true to anybody else or do you think they're just being uh, i can't think of a word Look, about this it's easy to know the answer when you make it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, sometimes it's surprising how quickly gamers pick up on things. I remember when Uplink came out, um, the the game CD had a whole load of... Yeah, because essentially it's a game about hacking. Um, and the game CD came with a whole load of secrets on it, which were, re I have to say, it was really cool. Um, even insofar as the fact that if you took your game CD case apart, there were hidden materials inside the game box. Like, if you actually took the jewel box to pieces, there were, there were things hidden within the case. It's that level of thing. And there were, there were encrypted zip files on the disk. 
and they basically left people to kind of figure out how to hack these um, uh, these zip files and things. But there was a particular type of encryption that the game developers had invented, where, whereby once you decrypted the zip files, the actual data files within the zip file were also encrypted, and it was it didn't use a known decryption algorithm. And people cracked it within about a couple of weeks. Hmm. And one of the one of the community members wrote a little tool that if you had the game, you could run his tool on these files and it would decrypt them. So people do figure out the most incredible things. Um, yeah, but the unknown artifact thing is very well obfuscated. <laughs> I was going to say, so are you saying that the Elite Dangerous community are just thick? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying it's... The, there obviously is a solution there, but um, it's obviously just... It, it probably involves a piece of knowledge that Has is anyone, kind of obvious when you know the solution that actually tried wouldn't immediately occur to you. Playing it backwards. <laughs> I think that's the first thing people would try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Changing speed, all these sorts of things. It, there's obviously something else to it. Somebody was suggesting that if you went round and collected a number of them, you might find variants of the sound coming from them, and then to overlay them over each other would give a more meaningful uh, data message or stream or particularly more clear-cut sort of binary message. I don't know if anyone's ever managed to, to achieve that yet. Danica and me, I haven't got time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's keep on flying through these then. Um, other information we found out uh, about planets. Um, let's have a look. Uh, all scenery is procedurally generated. There's no tiling of structures. Um, the artists sculpt the code to avoid there being unlikely scenery that would look really out of place. So this is really going to be a, like a massive sandbox. It's not going to be an area you can literally drive if you wanted to <laughs> from one side of the planetoid to the other. Is that right? Sounds like it, yeah. Ah, uh, oh, okay, so there's going to be four planets and moon types in the release to land on. We're going to have ice planets, rock planets, rock and ice planets, and metallic planets. Um, some current moons and planets will change in appearance due to new information added via the Stellar Forge, which is responsible for generating the Elite Dangerous Universe. Uh, this injection of data already exists in the system, but it's not currently in the game. Um, and then obviously they give us a link to David Braben's TED Talk on procedural generation. Did you guys watch that? It was it was really good. It's it been around for a while, but uh, I was going to say it's not a new one. No, no, no. It's the, yeah. One. yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, but yeah, yeah. It was a really good dead talk. Yeah, it was good. Um, what else? Planet challenges follow. Um, the planet challenging process will go orbital cruise, like super cruise. Choose anywhere surfacing, allowing to land on the planet or moon, and then you deploy your SRV, um, which in the game the basic one's going to be known as the Scarab. Um, you can't land on every airless moon or planet. Some are closed off and require a permit. Um, any other in the universe is available. So it's not just going to be a set few in systems. Um, as long as it's airless and it's a moon or a planet and it doesn't have a permit, then it's fair game. Um, yeah, I mean, a word on this. So this is one of the things that kind of struck me about it is that we've been talking for a long time about planetary landings being the kind of next step for Elite. I'm not totally sure how I feel about the fact that this year's worth of updates is airless planets, and then somehow there'll be another complete update, which will presumably, for people, be another 40 quid. Yeah. 
of planets with atmospheres. Now, I can only hope, I mean, you know, we do, I think we, we are, you know, generally fair in kind of trusting Frontier with stuff. And you can, you'd have to hope that these airless planets do represent an entire new game's worth of content and that planets with atmospheres will then be a whole other level of content. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To justify another update. But I can't help feeling that it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like the last Harry Potter movie ending up being in two parts. You sort of feel like almost it's dragging it out a bit. Is that fair? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, it really depends on what sort of new content they're going to bring to uh, atmospheric planets. I mean, if it's just David Braben's safari fetish, then I'm not <laughs> entirely sure that's going to be enough content to, to warrant £40, you know? Um, yeah. Well, you may race but, all the way down to a beautiful tropical planet only to find towels have already been put down in the best seats. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, look at it another way then, Jarvis. You're 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 hoping for the the Maury Starboat. If you had uh, atmosphere planet, atmospheric planets um, with seas and stuff, and that was part of the planetary landings that you could do ocean missions, would that be enough to uh, to part you with forty quid? Yeah, but I'm a sucker for underwater stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would buy if someone you know if someone sold me a game which was just the ability to fly around in the air and then transition smoothly to underwater and travel around a kind of submarine simulator. I'd, I'd buy that as a game anyway. So, <laughs> what was the um, what was the retro live game we were talking about playing for a while? Sub- that was which one was it? Subwar. Uh, Subwar. Yeah, it was basically a, a frontier. A yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember playing it with that. We'll have to do that, actually, and we'll just pretend it's, we were just flying around in Moray Starboats. <laughs> it is basically a space game, just underwater. Um, but yeah, I mean, context is everything, and it, it is a case of, um, you know, do you want the, um, you know, do you feel like there's going to be an entire new update's worth of content with... A different because I kind of thought that with horizons that these airless planets we knew airless planets was going to be the thing first, but I think I was thinking that maybe atmospheric planets and cities would be something that would be like an interim update throughout the year, mm-hmm. like a kind of two point four or, or you know whatever you like, but for it to be a whole other update there's a challenge there I think to make it worthwhile as being a whole other update. I mean, throughout its life, you know, the, the detractors of Elite have basically said that it's a game that is, you know, people, you know, use the whole wide but shallow thing, which I don't agree with. Um, but I think there is, a, there is a danger of thinning it out a bit too much. Because I was kind of hoping that the next thing would be the whole kind of first person get out your ship and explore space stations thing. Yeah, although you can imagine yeah, that's a heck of a lot of content they'd have to create in order to do that, whereas this, you know, they can build on this. This is quite a nice sort of easy found. I say easy. Uh, it's a nice foundation that you can then work from as opposed to, you know, walking in stations. That's a lot of assets they'd have to try and generate to make the stations feel like real places. I mean, even sort of attacking ship to ship and trying to uh, get people walking around in ships, uh, by all accounts, is actually a lot more work than... We still haven't clarified this point of how if you can get out of your ship and walk around and you're playing against someone that doesn't have that expansion. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just going to walk up behind them and just shoot them through the back of the head while they're in their culprit? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions to be answered and actually, the, you know, the game has generally answered all of our questions in incredible style in the past, so hopefully that will continue. Um, it just... 
I, it, it feels like a shame to me. There's two things that feel like a shame. One is that there will be two years worth of different types of planetary landing. Mm-hmm because that feels a little bit like an anticlimax. And the other disappointment is that potentially the whole get being able to walk around in your ship, you know, could that be as far off as another two years? Well, it depends on which way they're going to do it. Just because they've done planetary landings here doesn't mean to say they have to go into uh, atmospheric planetary landings next. I mean, they could leave it and go into walking around in stations or walking, yeah, attacking ship to ship next. Um, Maybe. Maybe. And in fairness, I would suggest that from a marketing standpoint, that's probably the way you'd want to go because otherwise it's just a, and we've added air to our planets. You know, that's not really a great... <laughs> well, this is it. This is my concern con. about it being a whole separate update. Is It's got it's got to be more than... It's got to be like whole cities, like an actual kind of GTA. Yeah. On every planet that you Ooh, land on. That could be what it's called, Elite Dangerous Cities. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's just quickly have a good look over the uh, the SRV then. So uh, we know that uh, every ship in the game will be able to carry at least uh, the basic SRV, apart from one, which they're talking about might be one of the... Um, will be a very, very small ship, possibly one that's just defending outposts. Uh, it'll be the only one in game that can't actually carry an SRV. Um, everybody will be able to carry at least one SRV, apart from some that might be able to carry uh, more SRVs or certainly larger SRVs specific to certain roles. Now, I know we talked a little bit about this on uh, on the last show in terms of what, uh, what particular roles they might be able to uh, fulfil. Um, so yeah, so one ship currently not in the game will be able to carry will not be able to carry an SRV, um, and the speculation on that is that planet and moon bases and fortifications could have grouped base defense craft. Uh, one of these might be a small ship seen in CQC and would not be able to carry a buggy. So obviously, maybe the Federal fighter. I'm thinking of that. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, um, and then each SRV can carry between four and six tons of cargo. Um, which will be interesting when it comes to sorry that's the yeah so the initial scarab will be able to carry four to six tons of cargo you can imagine certainly for mining operations there might be bigger bigger SRVs that have uh, more carrying capacity Um, top speed will be about 100 miles per hour you don't need to refuel them they will carry a weapon which can be used to attack bases on the planets Um, different planet surfaces will give you different handling experiences uh, what else have we got here? <laughs> Returning to your ship has been described as interesting. The hint being that you can thrust jump into your ship's cargo bay as it is landing, stroke taking off, stroke thrusting above the surface of the planet. That'd be quite cool. That's almost like um, <laughs> what was it like Night Rider driving up Dukes the back of, of the, uh, the truck. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> yeah, every single time you do a jet jump, you have to have the sound samples to go through the game. <laughs> oh dear. Um, you can self destruct them, but obviously the thrusters will be able to give you an option getting out of uh, places where you're stuck. So following the document because you've been reading out. <laughs> so, there, was this, there was this comment about the federal gunship about the the. It says, look on the underneath at the back, a big area with an opening. Not sure what it might be used for, quote and tease. Do you think that's maybe a bay for an SRV or... Like, uh... Tanks, um, like tanks, tanks! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tanks. Um, possibly a much larger SRV used for, uh, used for sort of attacking bases and stuff. I can probably imagine that would be it. <laughs> um... 
So yeah, just obviously other things. Wings could be used on the planet, surface and cooperation. Other cooperative play can be used to destroy bases. So I'm assuming you should be able to wing up in, even in your uh, your scarabs as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. Which would be quite cool. Okay, I think that's going to do for the the stream. I think we've covered most of the uh, most of the points off there, and we're approaching the two hour mark anyway. So this isn't a bad time to uh, to, to wrap up the show. Let's do a quick a few shout outs. Uh, there seems to be quite a few people in the chat channel, which is great. Um, let's have a look. We've got we've got penguin. We've got Aquila. Ordux, Ordux. We've got Arkenbaust, we've got Bretzi, Commander Bapster, Commander Highbite, Commander Icefire, Commander Pain, Rapid Fire, uh, Tea Time. Tea uh, Time. really? Yeah. It's not Tea Time. It looks no, like Tea Time to me. Yeah. It's I'm going to say Tea Time. It's a Terry Pratchett thing. It's Tea Time. Uh, Fiverr, <laughs> Gimme, uh, Grand Solo, Highlight Shadow, I Naim, uh, Jintost, Mangel. Uh, Mark Dish, Mind Wipe, Nizelian, Plasma, Ripped, uh, Rusticoslus, uh, Shanira, Slam Dunk, Sneevis, and Upper Bottom. Upper Bottom, that's a great commander name. Uh, thank you very much for <laughs> <laughs> joining us in that. Um, thank you very much to Grant and to Chris. Uh, that's it for another- sorry, sorry, before you, before you jump out, we should just quickly, if I could announce the winners of the Pink oh, Customs. Um, we had t- three winners on Twitter. We had Commander Gimme, Commander Loriath, and Harbinger. Now, all of your discs are on their way. Also, Commander Babster picked one up by an email winner. Uh, John Balshaw won, and uh, those our CDs are on their way. And the last winner is Cliff Dobbs. Now, Cliff Dobbs, we've not received an email address or shipping address from you yet, so if you could get in touch by sending an email to info at Lave Radio, that would be fantastic. Thank you very much for entering the competition. I hope you like them. Um, and before you sign off, do you want me to run through quickly the people that joined us on Twitch? Oh, yes, please. We have AJD1973, Amoki, Arzak, Basil de Brit, Bill Woolvey, Commander <laughs> Brusilov, Commander Scaldi, Digreal, DNA Chant, Ghost Dog 72, Hidden Sniper 10, Jester D Insatiable, JJ Smashing Pumpkins, good name, Mrs. Martyr, no, sorry, it's not Mrs. <laughs> It's Mr. Smartarse. <laughs> Sorry about that. Night Ogre One, Paul Archer, Santa Mars, Shaneri Rinali, Steampunk5510, Stephen Usher, Stop Hanger, Strain28, Stoops SX, and Zexp. Thank you for Excellent. tuning in. And for those people that missed out on the uh, <laughs> the Pink Custard, I think it's probably wise to do a little bit of a, a play out of Pink Custard at the end of the show as well, Grant, just so that people know what they've let themselves in for. Um, but that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzer101 to your Skype contacts, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come and hang out for a chat that's laveradio.teamspeak3.com um, we record this live every Tuesday evening at 8.30pm British Standard Time and it's streamed out at laveradio.com forward slash live thanks for everybody that's joined us this evening until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous Lave radio, lave radio, lave radio, lave radio. Lave radio. Lave radio. Lave radio.
Radio. Listen to Daydio. Dangerous podcast. It's the elite. Late Radio. So much to say, Dio. This side of Diso. We're loving the heat. I hope someone knows what we're talking about. They mean disco. Late Radio. It's here to stay, Dio. Orange Sidewinder. This is your crew. Late Radio. Hey, 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 Dio. It's second technician. Forest of two. It's come. It's a podcast that's based on a game. Not to listen would be such a shame. It makes other stations sound very lame. That's Lave Radio. Ooh, swing your pants. No, no, Simon, we're not them. We're pink custard. We cut the mustard. We're never flustered. We, we can't can be trusted. Lave Radio, this song's for you. For the Orange Sidewinder crew. Elite Dangerous is what you do. And then you talk a lot about it too. Lave Radio, ready to play Dio. Search for their website and off you go. Lave Radio, nothing to pay Dio. Sci-fi gamer DJ fans, this is your show. Oh, it's a niche audience then. This is radio online called Lave With DJs Chris's Alan John But not Dave Forever surfing internet airwaves That's Lave Radio It's a podcast that's based on a game Not to listen would be such a shame It makes other stations sound very lame That's Lave Radio It's not live radio. Oh, well, it, it, I don't know whether it's live or... or live, 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 live radio, live, and we love it. 